and I'm going to read the Bible reading this morning. It comes from Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28, going through to verse 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbour as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. My name's Jared. I'm the pastor here, and it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning. Uh, Please join me as we pray to begin with. Father in heaven, you are glorious, you rule over this universe that you've made and you are so gracious to us. We thank you that we can talk to you and that we can hear from you and help me to speak your word faithfully and boldly this morning Uh, and would you use uh, that um, and by your spirit to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus. Help us to, to see the importance of loving you and of loving one another and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we, we have the privilege of continuing on in Mark chapter 12 this morning. We've, um, we've been seeing lots of questions where people have come to ask Jesus lots of questions and find out all kinds of things. But for the most part, the questions that we've been encountering haven't really been genuine questions. They've been more just kind of like people trying to bring Jesus down and uh, attack him. Remember, we had like the Pharisees and the Herodians who for ages had been planning to kill Jesus came to ask him some questions, so you knew that that wasn't in good faith. And then we also had the Sadducees who, who were also opposed to Jesus and they wanted to uh, deny the resurrection. And so they, they asked him questions. Um, uh, last week we saw how they, they tried to, to catch him out with this elaborate story about a, um, uh, a family with seven brothers and the one wife and, and, the, resu- and the resurrection and them trying to make sense of that. We've seen Jesus answer these questions amazingly, uh, just exposing not himself, but them and showing that they're the ones who don't understand what's going on. He's showing that um, in, the, in the case of paying taxes to Caesar, he showed that um, the, the coins that are made in the image of Caesar, we give, give the coins back, but we, we're made in the image of God. We're to give ourselves to God. And then with the Sadducees, God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He's, he's I am the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And so we see Jesus is answering these questions that people are bringing. Today we have, we have another question um, and it's from a scribe 
but it's a little bit different to the, those questions that we've been looking at. It doesn't seem to be as uh, aggressive or um, as, as desiring to discredit Jesus. It seems to be more of a genuine question. He says, um, Mark tells us, and one of the scribes, uh, so the scribes are the teachers of the law. They're kind of like the, the, a lot of the religious elite were scribes. They would be people who would teach the Bible to others. Um, he came up and he heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he, that's Jesus, answered them well, asked him this, this massive question. So before we get to that massive question, you can imagine the scenario where Jesus has been answering these questions and people are starting to get upset with one another. I don't know if you've ever been um, in a situation where you've um, maybe at school, you've seen a fight break out or if you watch football, maybe you see, maybe ice hockey, you definitely see fights break out. Um, in, that, in those situations, we can see people getting upset with one another and then it just spirals out of control. Uh, here we've got a similar situation uh, because if you imagine the Pharisees and the Herodians, they weren't really friends in, aside from their opposition to Jesus. They were what we'd call frenemies. And then you've got the, the Sadducees as well didn't see eye to eye with the Pharisees on questions of, of um, the Bible and things like that. So you put them all in there. They're trying to trap Jesus out and nothing they're doing is working. And you see these people just spiraling in terms of their aggression and anger. And um, clearly, they're all in the wrong. Um, but this scribe, he sees that Jesus, in the midst of all of that, is answering the questions really, really well. He, he's giving fantastic answers that, that are faithful to the Scriptures, that are, that are honest, and that show, um, really, what, what God would have them know and understand in that situation. So we end up with... Um, this scribe seeing Jesus answer them well and coming and asking a question, a question that's different to the other questions. He asks him this, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, that's a big question. If you think about it, it's like, if you were thinking, um, you know, when you go to a Q&A session and they're like, okay, we're going to find a question to ask and you're sitting there trying to think of a question that's, that's something relevant that hasn't already been answered this guy's got a pretty good question, uh, and his question is a massive question. Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answers him, he says this, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he asks what the greatest commandment is. Jesus gives him two and kind of three. If you see there at the beginning, it starts with hear, hear. That's a command. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So, um, I yeah, I'll, I'll say it to you in Hebrew just for fun. Uh, it's Shema Yisrael, uh, Yahweh Ado Eloheinu Yahweh uh, Achad. Yeah, I think that's right. Something like that. Anyway, the, 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 the thing there is we see that Jesus is saying, he's quoting Deuteronomy. So this is a book from the Old Testament, um, also in the Law of Moses. So if you remember, the, the Sadducees, they even believed the Law of Moses. So everyone there should have had a shared belief in the Law of Moses. Jesus quotes uh, from Deuteronomy saying that, Listen, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That means there's no other God. There's one God, the Lord, and um, His name is Yahweh. Or when Jews would read the Old Testament, and many who still do, they would say Adonai because they, they want to be respectful and not 
actually say the name of God um, on, on, their, on their lips. Um, but this, this God, he is the Lord, the God who made everything, who revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, the God who revealed himself in the burning bush that we mentioned last week, the God who parted the Red Sea that the Israelites could walk through, who closed it over on the Egyptians, rescued his people from slavery, led them into the promised land, um, brought up nations that took them into exile, brought them back from exile, all of these things. This, this is God, the Lord. Not, not any other God, not, not any other uh, God of the nations or that some other nation's God or who, who these people have, have kind of invented or people who've made idols or anything like that. No, 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 no. The Lord, the Lord is God. His name is said twice in that, in that section. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Just in case you missed it, it's the Lord, not, not any other God, the Lord. And he tells us that he is one. He's not uh, somehow like, uh, you know, a whole bunch of gods, like, like a lot of the nations would kind of believe in. They would think that there are a lot of different gods. No, there's, there's one God, one God, and he's the Lord. And so Jesus begins by telling them the most important commandment is, listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is our God. He's the only God. He is our God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The Lord alone is God. And when you think about that, and you take a step back, and you go, okay, so the Lord alone is God. The God who has revealed himself to the people of Israel, uh, the God who reveals himself as the Lord Jesus, he is the, the only God. Then it makes perfect sense that the greatest commandment would be that we are to love him in all of these facets, in all of the ways in which we can. Uh, so why, why does that make perfect sense? Well, because he is the only one who's deserving of that love, the only one who deserves that kind of worship, that level of, of acclaim and recognition and us bowing down to him. The only one who could, who could be worthy of that is God himself, the Lord, the Lord who is one. And when we look at these different sections, we see that that, that God's telling us um, that we need to love him with all our heart. And if you think about our heart, um, that's like the essence of who we are. That's like uh, the powerhouse of who you are, your will, like where you set your affections. Like this is, this is who you are. Love God with all your heart. Not with some of your heart, with all of your heart. Be after the Lord with all your heart. And love him with all of your soul. The breath within you, the spiritual breath, the life in you, love God with all of that. Don't, don't devote that to anyone else, but with God, love Him. With all your mind, where you do your thinking, where your thoughts are, the kinds of uh, things that you fill your mind with, love God with all of your mind. Not just with part, but with all. And with all your strength, with all of your exertion, love God, love Him. Uh, you know, that it's not just a kind of, oh, I guess we, we kind of come to church on a Sunday for an hour and if the sermon doesn't go on too long, that'd be great. Uh, no, it's, it's like love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He is God. He's worthy of our love. He's good. He made us. He, he created us. He rules over us. He loves us. He's not asking us to do something that, that, that he hasn't done in that he loved us first. 
He, he isn't asking us to love him and, and him not love us. No, no. The Bible tells us that it's not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and gave himself up for us. And when we have that sink into our minds, we see the kind of God that we're being called to love is the loving almighty God. He loves us and that's what prompts us to then love him. And Jesus tells us the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, notice that there is an order to these two commandments. They're not the same. They're not like on the, on the same playing field. The first one is about loving God. The second one is about loving people. That's important. We'll talk about that a bit more later. But love your neighbor as yourself. It kind of, uh, it shows that, that, we, that we will love ourselves. That's just what we do. We're, we're, we're people, you know, we, we, it's, we're not, we don't have to be told to love ourselves. We're, we're going we're gonna to get that bit fine all right <laughs> by ourselves. Um, but, but loving our neighbors as ourselves, it's a very outward focused thing, isn't it? When you think, okay, we, we need to love God and we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Not, not inwardly looking at myself thinking, or yeah, just making a focus me, but loving those on the outside. And our neighbors isn't just your next door neighbor. Um, it also isn't just the people you like. It's everyone. It's, it's the people that we find difficult. Jesus tells us elsewhere to love our enemies. This, this, our neighbors is an extensive, extensive term, including everyone in the world. <laughs> so we need to be reminded that we, we are called to love our neighbors and not just with some kind of like general, um, I, I, as I say this, I'm thinking as I drove here, I waved at my neighbor <laughs> and he waved back and that's the extent of our relationship. I'm thinking, man, I feel convicted. I, I, I want, to, want to love him more than that. I want, I want to love him uh, in a deeper, deeper way. And that's just my next door neighbor. You think about all of the people that we come into contact with. How many opportunities does God give us to love our neighbors as ourselves? Uh, to, to be other-oriented in that regard, to, to look to how we can love them and care for them and support them and be there for them. Jesus says, uh, there is no other commandment greater than these. These two commandments ho hold together. They hang together. There is an order, but they hold together. And when you see them together, all of the law and all of the prophets are summed up in these two commandments. We see how, if you think, if you work out a logical extension of loving God, and loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, that's how you get the law. Like you, you, you see how when, when we have this right view of who God is and we glorify him, we love him with everything that we are, with everything that we have, and then we love our neighbors as ourselves, that's where all of the law flows from. We, we see that that's, that's, that's God's love in action. And um, when we look at the, the rest of this section, the scribe says to Jesus, you are right, teacher, You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So this scribe is a bit different from the other scribes. If you remember, the other scribes were mostly concerned with outward displays of religion. Uh, they would think that all of the sacrifices and all the burnt offerings are great because it means you don't have to love God with your heart. It means you can just tick the box of outward religion and not actually love God in your heart or your soul or your mind or your strength. And also the same with loving your neighbor as yourself. The, the, the Pharisees and various other religious leaders had these elaborate methods of, of making the focus on the outside. And if you make the focus purely on the outside, your inside 
can be nothing like your outside. You can, you can live a life of spiritual and religious hypocrisy where what you show to the world is not what really is going on in your heart. And that's convicting for us, isn't it? We think, wow, like God is, God is calling us to love him, not merely with what we do on the outside, but he wants our all. He wants our hearts. He wants our soul. He wants our mind. He wants our strength. And he wants all of it. And so we, we see that God is asking us, not just for outward religion, but for truly to love him, to trust him, to come to him. We'll come back to that scribe a little bit more later, but I want us to think a bit about some of the dangers um, around these commandments. So we've got kind of the three things there that we've spoken about, where Jesus tells us, listen, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the first one. We'll we'll think about a danger um, of how we could get that wrong in a moment. The second one being loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the third one being loving our neighbor as ourselves. And some of these problems arise when we mess up the order or we kind of upplay one and and think that they don't hang together. And we we kind of go, well, we'll, we're going to be all about, you know, this one, but we don't don't see how that relates to the other one. So the the first thing I want to identify there in that first one where Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is that the danger, the potential danger that we put someone or something or anything other than the Lord in that section, where we, where we don't bow down to the Lord our God, but then instead of bowing down to the Lord our God, we put something else there, uh, something instead of God. And, it, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it could be something as trivial as our mobile phones, or social media, or a car, or a house, or um, ev- it could be even things that are good things, uh, you know, like family or relationships and those kind of things. We can put those uh, in, in that spot. And that's what's called idolatry. It's where we make something that isn't God, uh, we regard it as God and we make it the object of our worship. That is a massive, massive thing that we need to watch out for uh, because it's so pervasive uh, in our culture, in our world, but also in our hearts. We can be so easily drawn into thinking that something that isn't God, is the most important thing in our lives. And giving that our worship. I I remember when I I found out how to see the screen time on my phone, I was like, far out. (laughs) That's that's really bad. Um, Fortunately, I've I've tried all kinds of things to make my phone as stupid as possible. If you've got any tips, please let me know. Um, But I think think for us, phones can be a real distraction and a real object of of worship. They're actually these things where we just have on, on, on tap, essentially, access to information, videos, whatever you want. It's all there. Um, and, you know, some of it is bad. Some of it is maybe good information. But it's also just in what way are we using these things? Is it, is it enabling me to worship God more or is it becoming an object of worship for me? That's something to consider. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's like uh, wanting uh, a, a relationship and you think, if I... If I just put this relationship as the thing that I worship, then if I get that, all, all my life will be okay and, and it'll all be fine and, um, and that's the thing that I'm living for. It's not wrong to have a relationship. It's, you know, I, I'm married, I have two kids, I'm very grateful to God um, for them all. But they are not God and, and just like I'm not God for them. The Lord, the Lord, He is God. He's the only God 
and he is the only one who occupies that that state that space in our hearts as the ultimate one to love so that's that's the first thing we've got to watch out for is not recognizing the specificity this is not just uh love whatever god you want it's love the lord your god he's the only god love him and then when we think about a few other potential uh, dangers that we could get into, um, one is not loving God in the name of loving our neighbors. So this, this is one that our world particularly struggles with, um, and it's, I, would, I would describe it as loving our neighbors as God instead of loving our neighbors as ourselves. So our world very much encourages our, uh, our, our, the idea of loving one's neighbor as ourself. That's how they put it. Like you'll hear many people say, oh yeah, just do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what they mean by that is not what Jesus means by that. And why is that? It's because they've scrapped the first commandment. They've gone, love the Lord. Your no, 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 don't worry about that. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the sum total of, of, of the greatest commandment, according to our world. Uh, they think that who occupies that space, that top spot, it's actually your neighbor or yourself. And in doing that, you throw the entire frame of reference out the window. Uh, the, the, the law can't work with just love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, it's an essential part of that, but it can't work without love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we see uh, this, this loss of frame of reference and this view that the authority of who decides what's right or wrong shift from the Lord, God, to every man and his dog. Like every, every other person, neighbors, ourselves, we're the ones who call the shots. And people then get to a point where they believe that to not affirm someone in their sin is unloving. Uh, to, to, to say that if, if, you, if someone's living a sinful lifestyle and you were to, to express uh, that that's, that's wrong, uh, they would say that that would be unloving. And why would they say that? Well, it's because they believe that loving your neighbor as yourself um, has taken the place of loving God as God. Um, and because you're making the neighbor God. In essence, they're the one who gets to call what's right and what's wrong. And the, the ultimate blasphemy, to, that's how they would view it, even if they wouldn't use that word, is for you to actually go against what they say is, 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 is right and wrong. That's, that's, that would be the view of the ultimate blasphemy uh, because people uh, see themselves as free to choose for themselves what's right and wrong. And if you tell them uh, what the Bible says is right or wrong or what the Lord God says is right or wrong, they'll say, well, you're not loving me. You're not, you're not affirming me. Um, and that's unkind and unloving. But I want to ask, is it unkind and unloving? And I'm going to tell you the answer is no. Um, the, so... I, I want to give you an illustration. Um, is, it's of a, of a ship. Now, uh, this ship is large, uh, large enough to fit the whole world on it. We were on it at one time. On this ship, uh, there, there, are, there are many people, and this ship is sinking. Uh, it's sinking into the sea, and everyone on that ship is going to drown. The only hope is that there's a life raft there that can get you from that ship onto safe ground. Now... Uh, we were all on that ship at one time. Jesus is the lifeboat, uh, and he has saved us who believe in him. He has rescued us from being on that sinking ship. So we, 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 we see our friends, perhaps, our family, uh, our neighbors, many people in our world 
who are on that ship and they don't know it's going down. Uh, they, they, they believe that that ship is, is completely fine and safe and isn't going anywhere and is completely steady. Let's say you, you know someone who's on that ship and they say to you, well, they say to me, for instance, Jared, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on this ship and it's not sinking. This ship is, is steady and it's, it's, it's not going anywhere. I know I'm safe. If I said to them, that's great, I agree with you, the ship's not sinking. You're completely safe. All the while I know it's sinking and they're going to drown and I've been saved from being on that same ship by the life raft of Jesus. If I tell them, look, I affirm you, you're doing the right thing. Uh, it would be unloving for me to tell you otherwise. That would be so unloving. Like, what could be more unloving than to tell someone who is heading for drowning to keep going? Like, what could be less loving to that person than, than to say that I'm going to affirm you in, in, in what you're doing, even though that will lead to your destruction? That is not loving your neighbor as yourself. Despite what our world says, Despite what our world says about how that is how you love your neighbor as yourself, it's not how you love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's, it's actually how you be a coward and, um, and, 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 and don't love your neighbor at all and don't love God either. Our world thinks the greatest blasphemy is telling people that they're sinful. The real greatest blasphemy is not loving God and not loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And so when we feel tempted to go along with what our world says and to affirm what our world says, we need to be reminded of, of this truth, that sin is real. It has consequences. We were all on that sinking ship once. The only hope that we have is that Jesus rescued us from it, and we hold that hope out to our neighbors, whether they be brothers, sisters, um, like in our family or our friends or our world. Uh, we, we must hold this hope out to people. We need to resist the temptation to go along with what our world says just to be liked by others. Um, we will face people misconstruing what we say and, and trying to, to judge us for, for these perspectives, but we must not neglect the greatest commandment of all, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. So when we feel tempted, and it's this fear of man, that we feel tempted to affirm people in their sin. We need to remember who God really is. God isn't me. God isn't you. No, God is the Lord. And the Lord, He's given us His Word, and He spelled out for us what's right and what's wrong. All right, so that, that, was, that was the danger of, of not loving God in the name of loving our neighbors, which is very prominent in our world. It's very pervasive. Now I want to talk about another danger. Um, this one might hit home more for us. Uh, this, this loving our neighbor as ourself, um, we might uh, try and make it out as though we are not loving our, our neighbor. We might not love our neighbors in the name of loving God. I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. These two commandments, as we've said, go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Um, they do have an order. Loving God comes first and loving people comes second. But we can't have one without the other. We can't have... Uh, I, I'm all good with God, like my vertical relationship is good with God, but I hate everybody else, you know, like it's, it's people I have a problem with, not God. Uh, 
if we think like that, then I think the, the Bible actually reveals that, w- that we don't know what we're talking about. Um, we, we're actually lying if, if we say, you know, we're all good with God, but we, we hate other people. Necessarily, the love of God impacts how we relate to other people. Uh, it, it, it's not something that we can just separate out where we go, oh, yeah, all good with God. Yeah, no, no worries there. But people, they're just awful. Hate them. They, 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 they ruin my life. Um, people can make life difficult for sure. But, but God calls us to love him and to love one another. And so these commandments go uh, hand in hand. And this isn't a kind of free-for-all where anything goes and we affirm our neighbors in, our, in their sin, as we've said. Not like that at all. That's not love. Um, but this is, this is the, the kind of, of love where we, where we don't shy away from telling the truth. But what I also want to say is if we come back to the sinking ship analogy, we've got to remember that we were on the ship. We have to remember that we were on the ship because when we forget that, we start to come at it from a point of we're on the dry ground and you guys are going down and it's, 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 it, it comes from the wrong place. Uh, we, we, can, we can end up being unloving to people um, by, by not acknowledging that we too are all sinners, that we are all sinners, all in ourselves destined for God's judgment. We were all on that ship. The only difference between us and them is that Jesus took us off it. He rescued us. He brought us to safety and he brought us to safety with his blood. And we want that for them too. And so uh, if, we, if we think about, um, some, sometimes we might think, okay, well, I'm loving God. Um, so when I see people in their sin, I'm going to make fun of them or ridicule them um, or, or go, well, you people are stupid for being on that ship. Um, hey, you bunch of idiots, why, why are you on that ship? Um, that's, that's completely not right either, isn't it? Can you see how when we remember that Jesus is the one who saved us from that ship, that he's the one who rescued us, and that, that, that we have nothing to claim in and of ourselves for us being safe, but it's only that he has saved us, then we remember that to love them is not to make fun of them, to ridicule them or anything like that, but it's to hold out that hope, to tell them where the lifeboat is, that Jesus is there. Uh, we obviously have to say the, the harsh truths of, of the fact that, that we're all sinners. Our world doesn't like hearing that message, but we need to communicate that message. We need to tell people that we're all sinners. Um, but we don't do it to make fun of people, and we don't do it to, to put people down. We do it because we want to see people saved. We want to see everyone know Jesus and be safe in Him. So when we, when we find ourselves in situations where our world is telling us to affirm people in their sin, we, 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 we're saying no to the temptation to affirm people in their sin, because that's not loving to God, and it's not loving to them. We also need to say no to the temptation to look down on those who are still in their sin. They're blind. They don't yet know the hope in the Lord Jesus. And so to make fun of them for their blindness is a horrible thing to do. If, um, if uh, I don't know, maybe you know someone who's blind, but if, if, we, if we have people who are blind, fantastic to have them in the church. I mean, people who are physically blind. Um, it's also fantastic to have people who are spiritually blind in the church because, you know, welcome and hopefully God removes the, the blindness from your eyes. But I, I want to just think about, if we had someone who's blind, who keeps bumping into the wall, how horrible would it be to make fun of that person? Why would we do that when people are spiritually blind? We, 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 we want to hold out hope to people. We want to tell people where they can receive grace and love and kindness and salvation. 
and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have this sinking ship that we were all on, that Jesus has taken us off, and then we hold out that hope to others. We don't, we don't shy away from saying the truth, but we speak the truth in love, with gentleness and respect. Um, we, we don't want people to oppose the gospel or Jesus because of the way that we spoke to them. Um, people are going to be offended by the gospel. Let's let them be offended by the message, not by our manner. Uh, we, we don't want people to be offended, oh, Jared was horrible to me, so I don't want to believe in Jesus. We don't want to go there, no. We, w- we want to make sure that the, the gospel itself is what's hitting people. That message of Jesus is what's challenging people, not us being abrupt or abrasive in our manner. Now, these things, uh, uh, we'll come back to, to the scribe. Remember, we said that he'd identified that the outward religion wasn't where it's at. He knew that that's, that's not what, what it's all about. It, there's more to it. It's about your heart. It's about loving God and loving your neighbor and how the law hangs on those things. Now, when we, when we think about this scribe, Jesus, Jesus looks at him and he sees that he answers him well and he says, uh, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And uh, after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So all of that um, ruckus and everything had, had settled by this time after Jesus answers this question. Uh, I think everyone realizes they're not going to be able to justly pin him down. And um, this scribe here, uh, Jesus says to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Um, It's great that he's not far from the kingdom of God, but we want him to be in the kingdom of God. We don't want people to just settle for being not far from the kingdom of God because that's not close enough. You need to be inside the kingdom of God. So what would it take for this scribe to be in the kingdom of God? Uh, well, we, we don't know exactly. Maybe, maybe he did, you know, come to repentance and believe in Jesus um, as time went on. Uh, I don't believe that we're, we're specifically told as to what happens there. Maybe we are, but um, to my knowledge, I can't remember reading that. So he may, we may see him in heaven one day. But what, 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 are, we, what are we to take from this? It's not, it's not close enough to be near. We want to be in the kingdom of God. So how can you be in the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus, in his preaching, in his ministry, consistently preaches this message. Uh, We've seen it throughout Mark's gospel of repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe in Jesus. Trust him. Repent is turn. That is turn from going our way to Jesus Christ. And trust him. Trust him as our savior, as our king. You see, Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom that we can earn a place in. It's not a kingdom that we we could make our way in by ourselves. Um, we, can't, we can't earn our way in by following the, even these two greatest commandments. We're all going to fall short. We're not going to be able to uh, love God with all, all of our heart, soul, mind and strength perfectly and love our neighbors as ourselves perfectly in order to earn a place in the kingdom. We can't do that. We're sinners. Uh, but Jesus, he has. He's done these things perfectly. Jesus loved, you see how Jesus loves his father with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. And you can see how Jesus loves his neighbor as himself. You see how Jesus fulfills these commands perfectly. And so, what is our hope? Our hope isn't uh, in us achieving these and ticking these commandments off, but in Jesus who has done them for us. And then we find ourselves who trust in him, who turn to him and trust in him. We're united to him. And so, in his death, we die. Our sinful self is put to death. And in his resurrection, we rise and we are made new in Jesus Christ. 
And so what, what does that then lead to? Well, that then leads to this life. We're new. Well, for all of us who are in Jesus, all of us who are trusting in Him, we're new creations. And, and we have His Holy Spirit in us who enables us to walk towards these, these ways of living, of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself. That's, 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 that's not possible in and of ourselves. But with God's Spirit in us, we can see ourselves become more like Jesus. Uh, and that's purely God's grace. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, if you're like me, as, as, I, as I've been preaching this sermon, um, if you're, as you've been listening, hopefully you've been listening, <laughs> um, the, the, this is really convicting. We, we, these commands are the greatest commands. And they, they, they are such a high standard. And I think, wow, how many times have I fallen short of loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? When I made it about other things, when I made it about myself, when I put myself in the first category or put someone or something else in the first category, worshipped something other than God, when I haven't loved my neighbor rightly, when I've said things that are easy rather than true, for all of these other things, I look at my life and I think, wow, what a sinner I am. But what a savior we have in Jesus, who's done these things perfectly and who bore our sin on the cross in our place. And so if we are in Jesus, then we have that hope of eternity in him. And that, that means forever. That means getting to spend forever with Jesus, rejoicing in him. If you have that hope, praise God. Thank him that even though we aren't able to fulfill these commands, Jesus has. And because of that, we get to be with him forever. And ask him to help us keep living and growing as we do this. And then if you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that hope in him, come talk to me. Come talk to Wade. Come talk to, to anyone you know who has that hope in Jesus. And we would love to share it with you. You see, uh, these, these greatest commands, uh, they, 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 they show us um, what Jesus has done. We see that, that his love, his love for his Father and the Spirit um, he is, is with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And his love for, for his neighbors, us, he, he loves us. He puts, he puts us before himself. You think about how he went to the cross. Uh, he, he came to this earth and he went to the cross to save us. So remember, the Lord God is the only one who deserves that first place. No one else. No one else but the Lord love him with all your heart soul mind and strength not something we can do in and of our own but but by the spirit of god for those of us who are new in jesus we can work towards loving him and loving our neighbor as ourself being willing to tell the truth to people as we come across them but doing so out of love and kindness not out of a, a position of superiority or anything like that but out of a gentleness a respect a love and a kindness and then remembering that, that we don't want to be just not far from the kingdom, we want to be in the kingdom. And not only for us, but for everyone out there as well. We want, we want to see people saved. That's why we planted this church. We want to see many people come to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us this life-giving message. He is the life-giving God. So let's come to him in prayer now. Father God, thank you that you rule supreme, that you are good and that you reign and that you love us. Thank you that you love us perfectly, uh, that you loved us while we were still sinners, while we were your enemies. You set your love on us. Lord, we have nothing 
in ourselves to commend ourselves to you, but you, out of your grace, set your love on us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth, that you died in our place, that you rose again, so that all of us who are in you uh, have had our, our sinful self die on that cross and have been given new life in your resurrection, Jesus. Thank you that you are with us by your Spirit. Lord, work in our hearts that we would love you more than anything else in our world and that we would love our neighbours rightly, loving them as ourselves, not losing our frame of reference of loving you, Lord God, but loving them as is right with great kindness and friendliness and joy and warmth uh, and all the while pointing one another to the amazing life-rescuing love of Jesus Christ. In your precious name, amen.